continue worshiping together this morning, beloveds, I invite you to join me for scripture reading and to turn to either your Bible apps or your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 24. Let us receive together the word of God. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by their deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks be to God. we go. Will you pray with me? Loving God, in the midst of the complications of life, the, in the midst of the things that we are all dealing with in one way or another in these days, we thank you because we know that you are with us in all of it. And I pray, oh God, that even now you would help me to be present to you and to this word that you have laid upon my heart today, that by the power of your spirit, your word might be received, either because of me or in spite of me, because I know, O oh God, that you are the one who moves and heals, speaks and creates. Be with us now, O oh God. In the power of Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, well, it's become very clear over the past couple of weeks that many of us are feeling a deep weight and weariness in the wake of all that's happened and that is happening in our world. And today we hear Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want to swim into that invitation as though it's cool water on a hot summer day.
But perhaps you notice, as do I, that as soon as Jesus, in essence, says, let me relieve some of your burden, almost immediately he says, take this on. Take my yoke upon you. What's up with that? Well, I think it's really important for us to understand what a yoke is. A yoke is a wooden cross piece that's fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow or a cart that they're to pull. Yokes were carved carefully to fit the animal who would be using the device. A carefully made yoke would rest well on the shoulders and wouldn't bind or blister. The Greek word for easy is krestos, which can also mean well-fitting. The well-fitting yoke was used to make carrying a burden or pulling a load easier. And the yoke allowed two animals to share a load, thus lightening the load for both. The Judeo-Christian tradition uses the metaphor of the yoke to describe the way of God revealed through the law and the prophets. It's also a word used to describe the teachings and the way of life for Jewish rabbis. That is, the way a rabbi interpreted and practiced Torah, the law, was that rabbi's yoke. A disciple of a given rabbi would take on the yoke of that teacher. In both the literal and the figurative sense, a yoke is something you put on, that you wear. And think for just a moment about things that you wear that don't fit well. They're unflattering at best <laughs> and really uncomfortable at worst. Ill-fitting or inappropriate shoes can cause blisters and over time can affect your whole body alignment if they're not fitted, fitted well causing strain and pain. In the same way, ill-formed, ill-fitting yokes do damage. If I put on a yoke that was made for a body that has much broader shoulders than mine, imagine what that would do to my body. If I take on an interpretation of biblical law that is ill-formed, say lacking careful study or grace, just think about how that will affect the shape and the health of my whole life. If I'm yoked with someone who's pulling in an opposite direction from me, or if I'm unwilling to move when the person that I'm yoked to is trying to move, then we're both going to get hurt. If the yoke is well-fitted for me, but ill-fitted for the person with whom I'm yoked, even if we're traveling the same path, my way will be easier than that of my partner on the journey and we'll both struggle more than necessary. The bottom line is that yokes, both literal and the law, can either do damage to those who wear them or can provide help and freedom from carrying burdens too hard to bear alone. Jesus invites us to put on his yoke, the way of life that he taught and embodied, a way of life guided from start to finish 
by the great commandment to love God with our whole being and our neighbor as ourself. This, Jesus says, is the yoke that's easy, that's a good fit for our most human shape. Jesus' embodiment of love that preaches good news to the poor and healing for the wounded ones, freedom for the captives, mercy and compassion and peace for a bruised world, gentleness, humility, and justice in our relationships with one another. That is the yoke that we are made, created to put on. I've heard folk describe the yoke Jesus offers as an exclusively me and Jesus or God and me situation. That is, that the yoke is about Christ helping me carry my load. And I don't disagree that that is part of the promise. But here's the thing. Jesus' yoke, Jesus' way of life, binds us to one another, commits us to one another, connects us, yokes us. It's never going to just be me and Jesus. Because whenever we invite Jesus into our lives, he brings all his friends with him. been ruminating on the juxtaposition of Jesus' invitation to take on his yoke and this weekend when our country observes Independence Day. On the one hand, you could say that Jesus' way of life, his yoke, is about liberation. It's about freedom. So it's a happy coincidence to get this text from our lectionary on this day plus the bonus of Jesus giving us permission to rest, you know, chill. (laughs) But a couple of things give me pause. The story we've traditionally told is that Independence Day is a celebration of our freedom from tyranny, our commitment as a nation to liberty and justice for all. And the words penned at our founding as a nation are beautiful, the goal lofty. Those things would seem to align with the vision of care and of right relationship that Jesus taught. But the truth is that the liberty, the justice, was for some, not for all. The yoke of Christ was severed from the beginning. I'm not saying that our founders had Jesus in mind. I'm simply saying that from the very beginning, the vision that we are called to follow and embody was broken. Over the years, I've come to more deeply perceive the irony of a national celebration of freedom that was first celebrated in 1777 when one in five people in the colonies were African human beings who were enslaved by white people. 
Frederick Douglass in 1852, well before the passage of the 13th Amendment that ended slavery, brilliantly denounced the national celebration of July 4th, saying, What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity. Your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence. Your shout of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. Your prayers, your hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth, said Douglas, guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. Then a hundred years later, Writer Langston Hughes wrote a poem with the refrain, America never was America to me. He wrote, oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Hughes, of course, was African-American, and in this poem he speaks not only for his community, if you read the whole poem, but he also speaks for poor whites, for indigenous people, for immigrants, and all who hope in the dream of America yet find instead, to quote him, only the same old stupid plan of dog-eat-dog, of mighty crush the weak. Fifty years have passed since Langston Hughes died, and we find ourselves where we are today. Some would argue that today there is much to honor from our past and also much that's changed for the better. Both are true. But our present moment has blown the lid off the injustice, the suffering and rage that so many of our neighbors continue to experience in their lives. Poverty, systemic racism, homophobia and transphobia are still rampant in our country. We have immigrants still caged at the borders, placing crushing burdens. These folk 
who are bearing the weight of these things have crushing burdens placed upon them. They are beloved children of God, and yet... Pernicious interpretations of religious texts, twisted applications of biblical law, and greedy, unjust civic laws and policies create a reality in which some are free, expecting and enjoying every opportunity that life affords. And others can't drink the water from their tap. They can't go for a run. They can't open their door without fearing for their lives. Some in our land suck up all the air, leaving others with no air to breathe. Our gospel for today begins with Jesus highlighting the fact that some people are determined to judge and to reject anything that might challenge them to perceive something new or to change their ways. Both John the Baptist and Jesus, they came with different styles, they came with different ways, with different tactics, even in some ways with a different message, and yet both of them got called names and rejected. If people don't want to hear it, they won't. And we sadly see this right now in many ways related to things like the safety protocols for COVID-19, systemic racism, skewed narratives of American history and more. To be asked to acknowledge the suffering of the most vulnerable and oppressed in our communities. To be asked to sacrifice a little comfort for the care and safety of others. To be asked to accept that part of our past and our present as a nation is marred by racist violence and greed. To be asked to do these things is perceived by many as somehow impinging on their freedom. No matter how lovingly or authentically, how gently or how intensely, no matter the amount of data or statistics, no matter the narratives, the stories, the personal testimonies, if folks don't want to hear it, they're not going to hear it. But Jesus says wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And wisdom makes her home in Jesus. And Jesus' actions and words are offered to us as his yoke. An offer that is heartily received both in Jesus' time and in our own by those who are weighed down the most with burdens of injustice and systemic violence. Jesus comes alongside the downtrodden and the sick, the disinherited and the oppressed and says, you matter. Let me share the load. Let me carry your burden. Let me journey with you. You are not alone. 
and the offer of a well-fitting yoke is extended to everyone. Jesus wants all of us to put on a way of life that does no harm, a yoke that doesn't do damage to others or to ourselves. That is our work, each and all of us, in our own way. We are called to set down hurtful things that have creeped up around our shoulders and into our thoughts and into our hearts. Just set it down. That stuff is ill-fitting. It's heavy and it shreds our soul. We're invited instead to pick up and put on the yoke of Jesus who says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Be gentle and humble with others in this time when there is so little grace margin in the world. Be gentle with yourself, humble with yourself, and trust that Christ will help you do the hard work needed for the living of these days. And the work is hard. It is hard work. The yoke Jesus offers is not an easy life without any burdens or challenges. Rather, it is a yoke that is well-fitting, that doesn't do harm when we put it on, that binds us to Christ and to one another so that the burdens that we bear become lighter because they are shared. I believe the heart of the teaching today is that true freedom in human life is not found in independence, but rather in inter dependence. We are created for interdependence, and the yoke Jesus offers is fitted with that in mind. It connects us to God and each other in love and in compassion and in mercy and in grace and helps us pull together toward the kingdom vision that is our goal. And that means that your suffering is yoked to me. And my suffering is yoked to you. As Paul taught, if one member of the body suffers, all suffer together with it. God gives us grace to help one another carry the burden, to ease the weight, to lighten the load for and with one another. Your life is bound up with my life, and my freedom is bound up with your freedom, and your safety is bound up with my safety, and my good is bound up with your good. No one is free until all are free. Many of us are weary today. Many are carrying heavy burdens. 
and the pain of the world can seem too much to bear. But the good news is we are yoked to one another and to Christ. And together, 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 we press on to freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I am going to figure out what is going to happen next, because I know that our wonderful Foundry team has been working to see if there's a way for us to be connected for the next part of our service. So I'm checking in to see where things are. We're going to go to Ben right now and hear what he has to share. I think we're going to go to Ben now. Let's hear from Ben. that ended slavery brilliantly denounced the national celebration of July 4th, saying, What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity. Your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence. Your shout of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. Your prayers, your hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth said Douglas, guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. Then a hundred years later, writer Langston Hughes wrote a poem with the refrain, America never was America to me. He wrote, oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity real, and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Hughes, of course, was African-American, and in this poem he speaks not only for his community, if you read the whole poem, but he also speaks for poor whites, 
for indigenous people, for immigrants, and all who hope in the dream of America yet find instead to quote him only the same old stupid plan of dog-eat-dog, of mighty crush the weak. Fifty years have passed since Langston Hughes died, and we find ourselves where we are today. Some would argue that today there is much to honor from our past and also much that's changed for the better. Both are true. But our present moment has blown the lid off the injustice, the suffering, and rage that so many of our neighbors continue to experience in their lives. Poverty, systemic racism, homophobia, and transphobia are still rampant in our country. We have immigrants still caged at the borders, placing crushing burdens. These folk who are bearing the weight of these things have crushing burdens placed upon them. They are beloved children of God, and yet. Pernicious interpretations of religious texts, twisted applications of biblical law, and greedy, unjust civic laws and policies create a reality in which some are free, expecting and enjoying every opportunity that life affords. And others can't drink the water from their tap. They can't go for a run. They can't open their door without fearing for their lives. Some in our land suck up all the air, leaving others with no air to breathe. Our gospel for today begins with Jesus highlighting the fact that some people are determined to judge and to reject anything that might challenge them to perceive something new or to change their ways. Both John the Baptist and Jesus, they came with different styles, they came with different ways, with different tactics, even in some ways with a different message, and yet both of them got called names and rejected. If people don't want to hear it, they won't. And we sadly see this right now in many ways related to things like the safety protocols for COVID-19, systemic racism, skewed narratives of American history, and more. To be asked to acknowledge the suffering of the most vulnerable and oppressed in our communities to be asked to sacrifice a little comfort for the care and safety of others, to be asked to accept that part of our past and our present as a nation is marred by racist violence and greed. To be asked to do these things is perceived by many as somehow impinging on their freedom. 
no matter how lovingly or authentically, how gently or how intensely, no matter the amount of data or statistics, no matter the narratives, the stories, the personal testimonies, if folks don't want to hear it, they're not going to hear it. But Jesus says wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And wisdom makes her home in Jesus. And Jesus' actions and words are offered to us as his yoke. An offer that is heartily received both in Jesus' time and in our own by those who are weighed down the most with burdens of injustice and systemic violence. Jesus comes alongside the downtrodden and the sick, the disinherited and the oppressed and says, you matter. Let me share the load. Let me carry your burden. Let me journey with you. You are not alone. And the offer of a well-fitting yoke is extended to everyone. Jesus wants all of us to put on a way of life that does no harm, a yoke that doesn't do damage to others or to ourselves. That is our work, each and all of us, in our own way. We are called to set down hurtful things that have creeped up around our shoulders and into our thoughts and into our hearts. Just set it down. That stuff is ill-fitting. It's heavy and it shreds our soul. We're invited instead to pick up and put on the yoke of Jesus who says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Be gentle and humble with others in this time when there is so little grace margin in the world. Be gentle with yourself, humble with yourself, and trust that Christ will help you do the hard work needed for the living of these days. And the work is hard. It is hard work. The yoke Jesus offers is not an easy life without any burdens or challenges. Rather, it is a yoke that is well-fitting, that doesn't do harm when we put it on, that binds us to Christ and to one another so that the burdens that we bear become lighter because they are shared. I believe the heart of the teaching today is that true freedom in human life is not found in independence, but rather in inter dependence. We are created for interdependence. And the yoke Jesus offers is fitted with that in mind. It connects us to God and each other 
in love and in compassion and in mercy and in grace and helps us pull together toward the kingdom vision that is our goal. And that means that your suffering is yoked to me. And my suffering is yoked to you. As Paul taught, if one member of the body suffers, all suffer together with it. God gives us grace to help one another carry the burden, to ease the weight, to lighten the load for and with one another. Your life is bound up with my life, and my freedom is bound up with your freedom, and your safety is bound up with my safety, and my good is bound up with your good. No one is free until all are free. Many of us are weary today. Many are carrying heavy burdens. And the pain of the world can seem too much to bear. But the good news is we are yoked to one another and to Christ. And together, 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 we press on to freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I am going to figure out what is going to happen next because I know that our wonderful Foundry team has been working to see if there's a way for us to be connected for the next part of our service. So I'm checking in to see where things are. We're going to go to Ben right now and hear what he has to share. I think we're going to go to Ben now. Let's hear from Ben. how gently or how intensely, no matter the amount of data or statistics, no matter the narratives, the stories, the personal testimonies, if folks don't want to hear it, they're not going to hear it. But Jesus says wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And wisdom makes her home in Jesus. And Jesus' actions and words are offered to us as his yoke, an offer that is heartily received both in Jesus' time and in our own by those who are weighed down the most with burdens of injustice and systemic violence. Jesus comes alongside the downtrodden and the sick, the disinherited and the oppressed and says, you matter. Let me share the load. Let me carry your burden. Let me journey with you. You are not alone. 
and the offer of a well-fitting yoke is extended to everyone. Jesus wants all of us to put on a way of life that does no harm, a yoke that doesn't do damage to others or to ourselves. That is our work, each and all of us, in our own way. We are called to set down hurtful things that have creeped up around our shoulders and into our thoughts and into our hearts. Just set it down. That stuff is ill-fitting. It's heavy and it shreds our soul. We're invited instead to pick up and put on the yoke of Jesus who says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Be gentle and humble with others in this time when there is so little grace margin in the world. Be gentle with yourself, humble with yourself, and trust that Christ will help you do the hard work needed for the living of these days. And the work is hard. It is hard work. The yoke Jesus offers is not an easy life without any burdens or challenges. Rather, it is a yoke that is well-fitting, that doesn't do harm when we put it on, that binds us to Christ and to one another so that the burdens that we bear become lighter because they are shared. I believe the heart of the teaching today is that true freedom in human life is not found in independence, but rather in inter dependence. We are created for interdependence. And the yoke Jesus offers is fitted with that in mind. It connects us to God and each other in love and in compassion and in mercy and in grace and helps us pull together toward the kingdom vision that is our goal. And that means that your suffering is yoked to me. And my suffering is yoked to you. As Paul taught, if one member of the body suffers, all suffer together with it. God gives us grace to help one another carry the burden, to ease the weight, to lighten the load for and with one another. Your life is bound up with my life, and my freedom is bound up with your freedom, and your safety is bound up with my safety, and my good is bound up with your good. No one is free until all are free. Many of us are weary today. Many are carrying heavy burdens. 
and the pain of the world can seem too much to bear. But the good news is we are yoked to one another and to Christ. And together, 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 we press on to freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I am going to figure out what is going to happen next because I know that our wonderful Foundry team has been working to see if there's a way for us to be connected for the next part of our service. So I'm checking in to see where things are. We're going to go to Ben right now and hear what he has to share. I think we're going to go to Ben now. Let's hear from Ben. Is not found in independence, but rather in inter dependence. We are created for interdependence, and the yoke Jesus offers is fitted with that in mind. It connects us to God and each other in love and in compassion and in mercy and in grace and helps us pull together toward the kingdom vision that is our goal. And that means that your suffering is yoked to me. And my suffering is yoked to you. As Paul taught, if one member of the body suffers, all suffer together with it. God gives us grace to help one another carry the burden, to ease the weight, to lighten the load for and with one another. Your life is bound up with my life, and my freedom is bound up with your freedom, and your safety is bound up with my safety, and my good is bound up with your good. No one is free until all are free. Many of us are weary today. Many are carrying heavy burdens. And the pain of the world can seem too much to bear. But the good news is we are yoked to one another and to Christ. And together, 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 we press on to freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen.